Ladies and gentlemen, trans and non-binary punks of all ages and denominations, welcome back to another episode of Not Just a Phase. This is the first episode for season three, so welcome back. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for being here on this crazy planet we call Earth. If you're new here, we're online at notjustaphase.net. We're on Instagram at notjustaphaseworldwide. And occasionally, I tweet some nonsense on Twitter at notjustaphaseworldwide as well. My name's Rob. I'm the founder and main host here for Not Just a Phase. And co-hosting with me today is our newest host on the mic, Belle. And she's going to introduce our guest for today's episode that we're very excited for. Today, we're chatting with Maddie Watkins, bassist gone vocalist for Delaware death metal-influenced hardcore band Year of the Knife, whose scene-shaking albums debuted their potential and then kept taking the close-knit band to new realms as they expanded creatively and physically. We're excited to chat about journey, new directions, influences, and writing. Hey, this is Maddie from Year of the Knife, and you're listening to our song Virtual Narcotic on Not Just a Phase. Yeah, thanks so much for for talking with us today, Maddie. How are you feeling? Feeling good. Thank you guys so much for having me. This is like first podcast back for a while, so I'm excited. Got through some technical difficulties. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the pre-show. That was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So how are you this guys today? Oh, yeah, I'm tired. How are you doing today, Bill? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a long two days with moving in and out of places. <laughs> Yeah, so you have a working it's shower. The worst. Yeah. <laughs> so do you uh you said it's your first podcast back. Do you you listen to any podcasts in your free time? Yeah, actually, um, I tend to listen to them more uh like driving or like when we're on tour, but I really like hard lore, uh like Colin and Bo's podcast. Um, I like this is hardcore podcast. Um I like, there's a guy from Delaware. He's like a comedian from Delaware named Ian Fidance. And he's got a podcast called Be and Ian with Jordan. And uh, that one's pretty cool and funny. And uh, other, I swear, like I listen to a bunch of podcasts, but it's always like someone will put it on. And then I just like happen to 
get hooked on it, but then I can never remember. Like the twins listen to a ton of comedy podcasts and I've heard a ton of episodes, but I don't like put them on myself. Okay. So you actually listen to some podcasts uh, and you said this is your, your first one back. Which podcasts have you been on before this? I did. Uh, let's see. I did. This is hardcore podcast. I did a um, hundred words or less. I did hard times. I'm trying to think. I think those are the only three that I've done. Oh, it's a good three. Definitely. big Ooh, ones. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely excited so... to be asked whenever I am. Yeah, no, again, very grateful you came to chat with us. Um, outside of music and podcasts, what other hobbies and passions are occupying your free time, especially now that you've had some downtime? Yeah, um, I so I own my own business, and that takes up most of the time that I have, like outside of the band, um, just either like designing or illustrating or ordering products for that. Um, the shop's called Candy Corpse or... I'm not doing that I'm probably playing video games I've been playing like God of War Ragnarok and uh Isaac that game like Binding of Isaac is that the newest um, God of War like the new one that just yes. came out I've heard it's insane yeah it's yeah. so good it's I like it. I I loved the last uh I don't know did it come out on PS4 or PS5 but I loved like the predecessor and uh mm. I played all the games on PS2 and PS3 like when I was younger yeah, so yeah. it's it's a great series. It's very fucking frustrating. Like I feel like a lot of games have kind of shifted to that yeah. like Dark Souls formula where they just like make you want to scream. But Which it's it's not it's not that bad. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm not like a launch a controller type. I'm like more of a internal screaming. I have to do something else, like flip and watch like YouTube or something and then come back to it. But so uh, yeah, a lot, lot of that. You're not throwing the controller. No, around? fuck no. Oh, I definitely <laughs> I don't... do. I definitely do. I know. I always like laugh, but I feel like I don't want to buy a new controller more than I want to launch the controller. Oh my that's, god, that's that's the driving force. Yeah, like eighty to hundred dollars <laughs> now, it's crazy. Yeah, fuck that, dude. I used to work at GameStop, oh, and nice. like I feel like then it was like when we were younger. If Brandon had like broken a controller or something, I could just kind of like exchange it. But nice. now it's a uh, now it's more serious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i feel that i feel that so aside of the uh aside of the gaming and the podcast we usually like to kick off just kind of asking like how you first got introduced to punk rock or or any sort of underground music kind of origin oh, yeah. story idea so it's kind of interesting um i grew up with my grandparents and then i was like and, and my mom as well but um my mom was like more of a like young soul she was into like more like punk music she wasn't like super into hardcore um but i i heard like punk music and like different like brit rock music and stuff from my mom which got me i think more interested in heavy music and then i went to an art school for middle school and high school in uh wilmington delaware and i had it was funny because like a lot of people there were very into like musicals and like show tunes and like pop like top 100 radio hit stuff but there were some people that I found that like liked heavier music. And I feel like um, there's like a girl on my bus that liked like Slipknot and like System of a Down. And uh, there was like another kid on my bus that was like a super Metallica fan, like every day of the week Metallica shirt. And I think just from like making friends that way of people, like the few people that were into heavier music, I just started to like 
look into it more. I had cousins that were like into like metal and stuff. And then there was like a venue in Northern Delaware called the Grange, which had shows like almost every weekend. And I lived like two miles from it. So I was like lucky enough to be able to go to that most weekends. And I would go like not knowing any of the bands. And that's kind of what got me into like, what type of bands do I like? Cause I would see a lot of bands that I was like, that one was better than that one. Or like, I like this style more. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what got me into it from like, like sixth grade is when I started going. So what's your local scene like? Do you have any favorite bands or venues in the area? Yeah. So uh, it's funny because Delaware is like quite small um, and it's really close to like Philly and Baltimore, not too far from New York. So it's like the Northeast scene in general is we're like super fortunate to have like great scenes nearby and great uh, venues and shows constantly. Delaware, it's tough to get venues. So it's like um, I booked a show at like this opera house in Smyrna, like we played there before. But like the Grange closed down, so there's not a ton of stuff happening directly in Delaware. But um, Joe Harcourt and like Bob Wilson book a ton of shows in Philly. So it's kind of like a almost like a joint thing, like Delaware hometown shows a lot of times are in Philly. And uh, oh. I mean, you guys know it's like all the shows around here are just like crazy all the time. The calendar, like when they send over the calendar and shit for what's coming up every season it's always packed there's always stuff going on sometimes like multiple shows per weekend um so yeah there's there's a lot of that going on and like local bands um foreign hands simulacra like they're we always joke like if you at least have like a member or two from delaware it's a delaware band we like we take nice, what we can get nice. with the, <laughs> the Delaware <laughs> bands but uh but yeah those guys are killing it we're hoping to tour with them this summer um and like Philly there's like a ton of bands active Philly right now um New World Man has I mean they kind of have members from all over but Ridge is from Philly um Fool's Game yeah there's a there's a ton of bands yeah so there's like plenty going on around Delaware I wasn't sure about specifically that because I knew it was close to some hubs but I had no idea what it was actually like there yeah, it's it's like an interesting location. So it's like a it's like a beach state. There's like the coastline down the whole thing. Um, and from northern Delaware, you can get to like Philly in like 40 minutes. You can get to New York in like a couple hours, maybe like three hours if the traffic's rough. Um, DC is like two hours away. Baltimore is like an hour and a half away. Um, nice. Yeah, so it's it's very centrally located. I know like there's definitely like a push to want to book more shows in Delaware, and like we definitely. Um, I'll do when we can, but it's just like finding and securing venues is a little, it's a little tricky. Sometimes people don't want holes in their walls and such. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what is the writing process kind of like in the band, like the dynamic and atmosphere when writing? So it's, it's really collaborative. Um, Brandon used to do the bulk of the writing and now it's kind of like, uh, cause it's the twins, Aaron and Andy and Brandon, and we all like write pretty close together usually one person will have an idea either for like riffs or like the structure of a song and then like we'll send each other like voice memos and then um we all live pretty close so then we get together for practice and like we just work on the songs that like anybody brings to the table andy is pretty unique because he drums but he also plays guitar and, and like writes for guitar uh but he drums for us so he'll come and he'll have like pretty much a fully fleshed song like in his head 
and uh, he'll like teach it to us and then we'll go over it. And sometimes like at practice still, like while we're writing, like I'll still play bass. Um, and then Brandon and Aaron will play guitar just to like work through it. But usually, um, usually we just kind of like bounce ideas off of each other. Like if the song is fully done, like sometimes we'll be like, what if we switch this part here or like repeated this part? But uh, we're pretty, it's, it's become pretty interesting the way that like we work more collaboratively and more closely together, especially for the new songs. Yeah, that's definitely one of the most collaborative processes I've heard. I usually hear it's leaning on like towards one or two people, but it feels everybody's pretty active. Yeah, yeah, which is which is cool because I feel like we get everyone's ideas and like then we, you know, sometimes it's hard. I feel like with certain bands, like you'll have one person that they rely on. I think you can get kind of like burnt out when it's just on one or two people. Mm -hmm. um, or like you can just run out of ideas or you're not really pushing your own ideas if other people aren't giving their input. Um, but it's cool because it's like, I think it's like, it's also a learning curve to figure out, I brought this idea, but then we're going to change it. Like sometimes that's hard too. And it's different if you're writing all the music to going to work with other people, you kind of have to be a little more flexible and like, like think a little more quickly on your feet. Yeah. Yeah. So what that's hardcore aside from everything else that inspired you to, in a way, make it your life? I think so. I, I've always been drawn to like heavier music, whether it was like more metal, metalcore, um, like new metal and stuff when I was younger. But I think I'm trying to think like what the first hardcore band was. I know one of the first ones like Terror was like, huge for me and hate breed was huge for me where I just like really resonated with the song structure like how catchy and like heavy it was and then um I think also just the, the sense of community in hardcore um there's in any music scene you know there there's pitfalls and there's shitty people but I think overall like when somebody in the hardcore scene really needs help or support like I haven't seen many other scenes that come together in that way to like support someone like whether it be benefit shows or like um you know I think everybody's seen like if bands get robbed and stuff like that like the whole scene will come together for them um so I I think that's a really beautiful thing and just in hardcore in general like you meet a lot of people that had uh similar upbringings like more difficult upbringings and I think that when you can find somebody that you click with and that understands you on that level it's kind of like an instant bond instant feeling of community so that definitely drew me to it and made me stay around for sure when what age do you think your first hardcore show was hardcore show probably when I was 11 because the Grange would do like um I mean, they would do literally like every genre, but they they had hardcore shows and like mixed bill shows where it would be metalcore and hardcore, or like hardcore and deathcore. Um, so probably, yeah, like 11 or 12. You were in it early. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny now, like thinking about it because um, it didn't feel like I was super young because there were like a lot of other young kids when I started going to shows. Mm -hmm. Um but, but like I said, I was really fortunate because it's like if I really wanted to, I could walk to the venue like it was not that that far away where it's like I could just kind of hitch a ride with somebody or have my mom drop me off embarrassingly and like yell out the window. You know, <laughs> that's nice. So what was yeah, the truth? Cool. Um, 
what was the transition like going from bass to fronting the band as a vocalist and how's it been? Do you prefer it? Yeah, so um, it happened in kind of like a haphazard way. Um, we went to, we had a tour coming up in Europe and our old vocalist was not able to get his passport renewed. Um, so it's like kind of down to the wire. It was like only a few days before we left, we were trying to figure out what to do. And yeah. uh, we just, we just practiced and, you know, everyone was like, I guess just try it and like, see how it goes. Um, and then it was like the first practice went well. And then we like ran the set twice. And then we were like, all right, let's just practice like nonstop every day until we leave, uh, which is what we did. And by the third day, I like completely lost my voice because I've, I've done backing vocals. Um, and I used to sing like clean singing for a band, but I've never at that point I had never like actually screaming for like such a long period of time. So I was like yeah. super freaked out was like we're flying the next day. And then like our first show was with, was sick of it all in Germany. And I was like, oh, fuck, like I'm just not going to talk. And uh, and so that's what I did. I just didn't talk the entire time we flew. And then um, luckily I got my voice back the next day. So the the transition it was kind of like jump in and learn it like you have to do it you have to just like get it and mm -hmm. I think that was good because I, I'm the type of person that overthinks things so I think just kind of jumping into it I'd always said like oh I'd love to sing for a band someday but I don't think I would have ever I don't I don't know if I would have ever gone after it or if it would have been like not for this band like I wasn't planning to for this band so it was definitely um I don't know. It was like one of those transitions where you just jump into it and then you find that you love it. Yeah. Even though you weren't planning it. Um, and I, I still love playing bass and I play bass in like our death metal band. But uh, <clears throat> I think that. I don't know. I think one of the things like when we were talking about writing, I feel like I have more. Um, not influence, more input on the songs, like being able to contribute lyrics and like vocal patterns. I definitely hear them more strongly than I would hear like riffs. Like I I would write like bass lines, but I'm not a type of person that thinks of riffs super quick and I can think of vocal patterns really quick. So I think that it's a good fit. Yeah. I don't know if I prefer one to the other, but I have fun with both. Cool. With this new role, do you plan on taking the band's sound in a different direction vocally for the new album at all? Yeah, so, um, I mean, I think that Tyler had a really cool voice, um, but our voices are very different. So I think, yeah, obviously, it's like I don't ever want to try to do somebody else's version of something. I'm always going to try to do my best version of it. So, yeah, the new songs definitely have a different sound to them. Um, honestly, it's like I don't know exactly. There's not a specific vocalist that I, like, look to to try to sound like I just kind of mm -hmm. spent years doing like backups and trying to figure out like a good range for my own voice so they definitely sound different in the new songs cool well because you have both perspectives of playing an instrument in year of the ninth and being the vocalist how do you feel the music expression in the songs coincides with the lyrics and the message so I think that the music has always been very, very like heavy, very dark. Um, I think that the lyrics, like the the theme of the lyrics and the the sound of the music have always paired very like it's always been a 
a good pair and something that like made sense together. Um, I think that that's definitely something that hasn't changed with me coming into vocals. Like the way that I write is still very heavily influenced by the sound of the music and the themes that we write about. Like, I, th I think it's still something that fits with the dark sound of it. Mm -hmm. Do you think the close relationships between the members of the band take the music to different depths than an average band? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So our band is uh, kind of interesting because Aaron and Andy are twin brothers and then Brandon and I are married. Um, and also we so like obviously Andy and Aaron have the same birthday because they're twins, but Brandon and I also <laughs> have the same birthday. So it's, it's oh, really? a very like the personality. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre. So like. <laughs> The personality types and like just the relationships, like the way that we blend together, um, like we, we've talked about it before, but like just like our temperaments are very, very well balanced, which makes it really good for when we're writing and collaborating. Um, and also, I mean, I think all brothers have kind of like a closer knit like understanding of each other. But I swear, like Aaron and Andy, like they say they don't, but I can see sometimes when we practice that like they're like speaking to each other in their brain. Like, I don't know. It's like they they will be like, oh, why don't you try this? And it's like, oh, like this. And I'm like, how did you know that's what he was saying? Because he didn't describe what he was saying. And they're like, no, like, I just knew what he meant. So it's definitely I think that that sort of our bonds definitely make it so we understand each other and can communicate with each other pretty easily. And that definitely reflects in the music that we write and the ideas that we come up with. You're the telepathy over there. Okay. It is. They're <laughs> psychic. They won't tell you what they are. It's awesome. It's a very unique dynamic. It's almost like your tours yeah. are kind of like a family road trip or something. Yeah. It's it's very it's like we always joked about that because it's like there's two birthdays and four people. And yeah, it, it's weird. It's definitely a weird thing. Um I can't think of other bands that have twins right now, but I, I mean, obviously there's bands. I feel like a lot of bands with brothers like tend to be sick as fuck, like Lamb of God and like all the young brothers bands together. Yeah. They have something with that. So Year of the Knife has very forward lyrics on societal hardships and personal struggles. Is that still a driving force in the lyricism for the new album or are you branching out to different themes more? No, absolutely. Um, I think, like I said before, the way the tone of the music definitely like alludes to thinking of heavier topics. And I think that hardcore, one of the things that is so interesting about it is writing about these things that are relatable and these like personal struggles and, you know, societal struggles that I think it's important to have it as an outlet, but it's also important for people that connect with the music because they don't feel as alone. Mm -hmm. um so I definitely I'm still focusing a lot on like that type of writing um and a lot of the a lot of the writing that I have like it'll be something more personal but I think that when I am writing I always try to think of it in a way of like how how could this relate to somebody that maybe hasn't gone through this specific struggle but has gone through their own so I think that definitely um when I'm writing I try not to be like super literal in how I'm writing it, but it will be about something literal when I'm thinking of it. Yeah, don't rise. 
you say the focus of these new tracks or what are they channeled from or towards so musically uh we were just kind of we've always been like death metal influ- influence and uh more on like the heavier side like the old like metalcore bands like true metalcore like metal hardcore like marauder and like all out war and shit um so i think we still took that influence but then we were kind of fusing it with some of the new things that we were listening to and uh i know andy was listening to like a lot of like faster music and like some grind shit and aaron was listening to like more punk music um brandon's still listening to a lot of death metal but i think when we were coming together writing the new songs we were like what do we want to hear that's like not not necessarily like out there right now like we don't want to make music that someone else is making right now we wanted to make something different and something that we would be excited to hear so I think that's definitely where the music came from and then lyrically um I I thought of I think the lyrics came pretty fast and pretty naturally I would listen to the demos and like drive around and uh I don't know sometimes like listening to songs like I would get a phrase in my head or I would get like a topic in my head right away and something that was cool um I know I talked to like Scott Vogel from Terror 
like on his songwriting process, like if he had any advice when I did take over vocals and he was like, always just like have a clear topic in mind, which I think is such great advice. It seems pretty simple, but um, I think that a lot of times songs get lost when they're just trying, it's kind of like word salad where they're just like coming yeah. up with cool phrases, but there's no like direction or topic of the song. So even when I was writing, like using more, like, I don't know, allusions or like similes. I wasn't, I never lost sight of like, what is the theme of this song or what is the topic of this song, like at its root. And I felt like that always helped if I got kind of like lost in what I was writing. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's a lot of, I think the new songs have uh, a lot of personal themes and a lot of societal themes. Um, I think there always will be, sorry to say long-winded answer, but I think, uh, <laughs> there will always be like the theme of loss and of, you know, having people in your life that are addicts and like trying to navigate that journey and those relationships. Like, I think that will always be a core part of our band. Yeah. I think that's something that people love about Year of the Knife a lot, um, that you guys put so much emphasis on those sort of real world relationships and struggles because sometimes you only kind of get a glimpse of it in songs and it's nice to really hear it be brought into depth for sure yeah yeah definitely that's something that I think people um probably people the most that come up and talk to us are people that have you know had similar relationships or have struggled with addiction themselves and um I think that is a beautiful thing that people find the connection in that so a little bit on what we just talked on, um, how have things creatively and stylistically advanced in this new album? What can we expect? I know you said that there's a little more of a grind and a punk influence. Yeah, um, I think honestly, the focus was like the songs are uh, faster, still mm -hmm. super heavy. Um and like I said, like there is, it is a bit different influence from our past material. Um, a lot of the songs have shorter run times, which I think is cool. And we also focused a little bit more directly on the structure of the songs, So like repeating verses and choruses. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you'll be able to hear the different influences in the music when it comes out. Cool. What do you think Year of the Knife represents and what has it represented to you? Oh, that is a tough one. Um, for me, Year of the Knife has just represented, honestly, like a sense of family. Like I, with Aaron and Andy and Brandon, like I'm closer to them than I am to like anyone else in the world. And I think for me, it's like we've experienced all these things traveling together, um, experienced, you know, really good times, really bad times too. And I think that for me, it's almost like a beacon. Like it's been like an outlet for me when things were hard. It was something to look forward to. It was something to like let my aggression out in a positive way. And I think it's kind of been that for for all of us really, like it's very cathartic. And I think probably for other people, um, like we said before, I think, I think it's just something that a lot of people were able to relate to and, and see themselves and see their struggles or see you know, their loved ones struggles like in the songs and in our own experiences. And I think that that's 
that is like a, a lot of what we represent. Like being a straight edge band is like very at our core what we're about, but it's also about like understanding and relating to the human struggle. Shifting a little bit, as a woman in this genre of music that's predominantly male occupied, do you feel as if you underwent the same journey and obstacles as a male musician when in a scene? Uh, definitely not. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that, uh, yeah, like even, even getting into playing music, uh, growing up, I just like, didn't really see a ton of girls. And I think that, I, I think I even said this on Joe's podcast. It was one of those things where it was like, I could play and I like taught myself how to like play guitar and like do different shit. And nobody would really like, when I'd be like, Oh, I want to start a band or let's do something. Like even like my close friends were kind of like, Oh yeah, like maybe. And like, I felt a lot of times you would see somebody pick up an instrument that had like never played it before. That was terrible, but it was like, that's their voice. So it's like, he, like a lot of guys would get these opportunities yeah. that I think a lot of girls didn't have. Um, and like I said, at the time, it's not like there's like a ton of other people growing up when I was trying to start bands that like related to that because there weren't a ton of girls. And obviously this is like years and years ago now in like middle school and high school. But um, yeah, I definitely think that women in heavier music in general definitely have very different journeys from their male peers. Yeah, well, you just kind of mentioned this, but um, was the lack of feminine representation discouraging? Did you kind of feel like you wouldn't fit into the scene at all? Or... I don't know if I would say discouraging. I feel like it was almost like if I saw it was definitely uh, there was like a big lack of it. It was always interesting or different to see a girl like I remember um, mm -hmm. I was at, like a deathcore show and there was like the girl from Winds of Plague. And then like I saw Walls of Jericho and like I thought they were so badass. Like I thought it was so cool because it was like, you just didn't see it. I don't mm -hmm. think it discouraged me from trying. Like it made me want to say like, I'm still going to do a band, even if it's like hard and hopefully one day it's not like a novelty or it's not like people are just like making comments just because you're a girl. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think, yeah, I don't think I was discouraged, but I definitely was it was definitely noticeable. It was definitely something that I was cognizant of. As one of the few women in the spotlight in hardcore, do you ever feel any pressure or as if you're looked at more criti critically? Uh, yeah, I, I would say so. Um, I think that one of the things that's tough, it's probably like now more than ever in hardcore, there's like way more like female and like non-binary people in bands which is amazing um it's it's great because it's not if you see a band and there is a girl and it, it's not like this thing where you're like oh that's weird or like oh, like it doesn't it doesn't have that same jarring thing when we were younger and it was like oh my god there's a girl um which is great but I think that in another way it a lot of times I see people just like comparing bands that have girls in them yeah. and I'm like you don't you don't do this with male bands that sound nothing alike you don't pit the girls or the guys against each other you don't like pit their sounds against each other when it doesn't make sense and I'm hoping like in the future people look at things a bit more uh critically not because of gender but because of the sound but I do think that that is a weird 
it is still a weird thing there. It is still male dominated. And I think that girls are definitely looked at in a more like definitely scrutinized in a different way. Yeah, I think it's definitely tough with um, how sometimes having a girl in the band can be looked at as kind of like a novel thing because it categorizes a bunch of bands that are not alike all into one group. And right, um, right. I just, yeah, it's not it's not fair fire. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's also interesting because like I've seen arguments of people that seem like their hearts in the right place where they're like, well, I want to support these bands more because, you know, I, I don't see as many of them and I want them to have like a platform that like maybe other people that haven't worked as hard have. But it's like, it's a double edged sword. It's like, yeah, you're mm -hmm. supporting them by putting them on this pedestal and still making them the other. Like yeah. you're still, it's not like this inclusive thing. It's this weird like tokenization of like, look, there's a girl and they're doing it rather than like, oh, this music is sick or like, oh, I love their voice or whatever. Yeah, definitely. If there's any wardrobe malfunctions on stage two, you're going to hear if it's a girl and you're not going to hear if it's a boy. Just saying. No. Yeah. It's like, you know, guys rip their pants, their pants fall down, people laugh, whatever. But if it's a girl, yeah. everybody's like, oh, is there a video of it? It's like, OK. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh. I never never considered the wardrobe malfunctions, but uh, I'm just a sucker for scream female vocals. Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> huge fan of it. <laughs> yeah, scream there was female. <laughs> an unfortunate story circulating a few months ago. It's just like, why are people so concerned? Somebody ripped their pants at FYA this weekend. Oh, Colin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He 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 did a, a pants exploding spin kick. Yeah. <laughs> nice nice but but i don't think i think people like loved it because it was like a funny video but i don't think people are like zooming in on like what the collins boxers looked like no offense Colin, yeah it was but... <laughs> it was treated completely different <laughs> yeah well i'm gonna go zoom in now just to just to yeah yeah the, the exception to the rule <laughs> see if he's wearing fruit of the loom or if he's got some nice expensive underwear on there or... he's got god's hate custom underwear on probably nice nice dedicated that'd be sick <laughs> Well, switch switching off from uh, female representation in hardcore and um, Collins boxers, gonna <laughs> switch topics slightly. Do you you have a favorite show or tour memory with the band so far? Like one that specifically Ooh. sticks out? Because I'm sure you've got quite a lot. Yeah. Um, oh shoot, I I would say honestly, like the the Europe tour that we did over the summer. Um, has some of my favorite memories on it like all throughout like I think our my favorite show which like I know it maybe doesn't technically qualify as a show because it's a fest but Outbreak Fest was like my favorite set that we've ever played like the room was just fucking packed and it was we were playing first on uh I think it was the Friday and like our flights had gotten canceled we had to drive like 13 hours overnight from the Netherlands to get there like literally woke up like found a gym to take a shower in <laughs> And then like, uh, I think like half an hour later, like played our set, but I was like, I don't know. I was like pretty fucking nervous. We'd played Outbreak before and we have like a lot of friends in the UK, but it had been a while since we went there. And I remember like not looking out cause I was like, if it's early and there's not a lot of people, like it's okay. Like, we're just going to have fun with it, whatever. And then like, I turned around and I was like, holy fuck, this room is like full of people. Um, 
And even like I had even heard from people like you had to get this bracelet to be able to get like close enough to actually be up front because it was like a, basically like a mosh liability waiver. Like, hey, if you get hurt, like stage diving or mosh and you can't see the venue. And that was the only way they could get no barricade. That's but like awesome. even with like people not knowing. Yeah. Yeah. So even with people not yeah. knowing about that, it was like still a fuck ton of people, um, like so many people singing along, so many people stage diving. And uh, that was just like a great memory. Um also like playing Hellfest, like growing up watching all these videos of Hellfest and like, I don't know, it was one of those things where it's like, that's like kind of like a dream, like maybe one day we could do that, but it seems like unrealistic. And then actually being able to do it. Um, my mom was telling everybody we we opened for Metallica because they were playing the same day. Yeah. I was like, not exactly, but uh, sure, yeah, yeah. Sure. You know, play with yeah, Metallica. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like that was fucking crazy. Um, and I got to sing with like Tear and uh judiciary like for their sets so that was really cool too um trying to think i don't know there's just like there's like things like that and then like on a smaller level um playing shows like some of the shows we played with like agnostic fun or sick of it all like none of their fans really knew us and there's that weird feeling of like they're older and they're not moshing and do they even care but uh it, they like I mean, it is a very European thing, like asking for encores, but it was like one of those things where that was just like a funny thing for all of us to share was like people asking us to play more songs when we were like, are they even into it? Um, yeah, but that that tour as a whole definitely has like some of my favorite memories on it. So you, you've already shared the stage with so many big names, as you've mentioned. Is there a band that you haven't played with yet that you're, you're dying to share the stage with? Ooh. I, I always say this. I would fucking love to play with Cannibal Corpse. Um, they're nice. like one of my favorite bands. So that would be, that would be that would just like fit. sick. I, I think, think so too. Fit. I mean, Harm's Way, yeah. Harm's Way toured with them and like they had a great time. George and I could like geek out over plushies. So, you know, there's, there's things there. Uh, I think your sound's a lot also, closer than Harm's Way. I think it would actually work pretty well, especially with the fan base. I think there'd yeah. be a lot of overlap. Yeah, I think, I think that would be sick. Um, other big bands. I mean, I would love to. I'd love to play with like Lamb of God. I'd love to play with Slipknot. There's a lot of bands that like we've toured with before that I would also love to play with again. Like, um, I will tour with Terror as many times as they ask us to tour with them. I'd love to tour with Knock Loose again. Um, we were supposed to tour with Code Orange, and then the the pandemic ruined it. So that would also be a cool tour. Nice. Is there um. Because everyone's kind of doing it now. Is there a, a band that hasn't done a reunion yet that you'd love to see? Hmm. Honestly, it's like, I feel like so many of the bands that I was like, I'm never going to see this band. They like did reunions, like Buried Alive did a reunion, Half Heart right. did a reunion. Um, I, I'm trying to think if the Suicide File set was a reunion or if they just were playing. I don't know. I think a lot of the bands like, that I haven't seen that I would like to see are just like kind of inactive, but play occasionally. So I can't really think of any like true reunion set that I would want to see that I haven't. Um, a fair answer. It's, we've it's been a tough very question spoiled. We've, yeah. It's yeah, a tough question. We, we've, to answer we've been spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> From when you first got into the punk scene until now, what are the, some of the good and bad changes you've experienced within the community? I think good changes uh, overall, it's like a lot more inclusive. Um, it used to be 
not that way. Um, so it's definitely, it's changed a lot as far as like representation and I think just like more of an open dialogue around issues, like as far as like gender and like people of color, like it's something that people are talking about more where it was like swept under the rug. Um, and I think that's great because if you are, you know, preaching the sense of family and the sense of like community that those things you can't ignore, like these giant groups of people, um, changing for the bad I'm trying to think I do think sometimes like when I said before like we are really spoiled um we still are like there's so many great tours coming through there's so many fests happening and I think a lot of times people take for granted that these things are just like always going to be there and they're like oh I'll just catch them next time or like oh I'll just go next year and I think that it's like if you don't support the scene it's not going to be there so you can't like always just count on like seeing a band the next time or you know going to a fest the next year um i think it's still important to like be a part of things and like book shows and and all of those things um the only other thing i can think of i mean when we were younger there was like b9 but i was never that was like a little bit before me so i was never really like on that or like saw and i think just talking to like some of my peers, like it was very brutal for the very few girls that were in hardcore at that time. But I think still there's just like dumbass message boards that are like pretty vile as far as like commenting and I don't know. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, social media hardcore. <laughs> the worst. Um... But it's also a lot of it is people that aren't actually in hardcore. And I think that's something people have to like realize. Agreed, is yeah. like somebody that saw yeah. shows on TikTok is not like in hardcore or like somebody that's like 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 those fucking like lace code videos and shit like by people that had never yeah. been in a fight or had never seen a fight at a show or had never seen like somebody actually like take shit into their own hands. I was like, what is the point of <laughs> what they're doing? Yeah, it's just yeah. a lot of people latch on to like what can I say to tell you what to do so I feel superior rather than like, what is this scene actually about? How do I actually get involved in it? Yeah, all the like pit drama, the mosh expose where like people just post paragraphs oh. about moshing. It's, it's definitely ridiculous. TikTok's definitely brought something, but um, yeah. hopefully not to the actual physical shows. Um, but it, it doesn't seem like it's at the show. That's what's funny is like, I feel like the internet sometimes makes things feel like so larger than life and so like bleak. And then it's like you yeah. go to a show and you're like, oh, none of these people are there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, If you could do a guest vocal feature spot on any band's track, who would it be and why? It can be realistic or unrealistic. Hmm. Oh, that's really tough. I know I keep talking about Tear, but I would love to do <laughs> another guest spot. I actually, I got to sing with uh, Crystal from Initiate. She got to do, like we did it together cool. on one of their songs. Uh, that would be cool. I would love to do like, uh, it'd be cool to do one with Converge just because that's a band that I've like admired and liked for such a long time. Um, you guys worked with Kurt, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did our last LP and then the new record we were working on, we worked with him too. So was that I definitely just... punished him? <laughs> was that just yeah, for like so him... fucking cool? 
Yeah. No, like the first time I was definitely like trying to be normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like trying not to be weird and be like, like I had a Converge poster on my wall growing up. Like, but uh, no, Kurt's like, he's awesome. He's very, very down to earth. He's also very down to like tell funny like tour stories and like Converge lore stories. And like, uh, we always say like, there's like a, a set where he like launches a, his guitar or like his guitar stops working, he, like moshes into the crowd. And like, that's like hanging up at his studio. So it's like, we, <laughs> we like, you know, bug him for a bunch of stories and stuff, but he's, he's very chill. He's very, very fun to work with. Um, he has great ideas and I think that he really takes what you bring to him and he just like pushes it to the best it can be and he's worked with like terror and a bunch of different bands right so you oh, kind of yeah. got to work with a he's... guy who made your influences which is super cool yeah yeah he he did uh like blacklisted and nails and I mean he's done so much stuff that I'm just like these are like the formative records for me um so it definitely was surreal working with him the first time and now I just feel like we just go there and annoy him and have fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fun. Um, could you give us a little blurb on what Damnation's domain is about? Oh, yeah. Uh, heavy, heavy death metal from Delaware. It's uh, it's all of the members of Year of the Knife, plus uh, our friends Damien and Rich, who Brandon used to play in a band with called Double Dealer when he was younger. And yeah, it's just fun heavy brutal shit cool so it's it's all of you guys are in it yeah uh andy drums aaron plays guitar i play bass rich and damien play guitar and brandon sings so we kind of like mix up the where <laughs> people are playing a little bit but uh yeah we're, we're all in both bands that's fun and we're, we're actually we're doing like a tour in fe like a weekend tour in february with gates to hell and it's like Damnation Domain, Gates to Hell, Year of the Knife. So it's like, it'll be fun to like tour with ourselves in both bands. <laughs> That'll be interesting. Touring yeah, with for yourselves. sure. Touring with yeah. ourselves. Sounds like a good sentence. Yeah. Sounds logical. <laughs> <laughs> uh, switching off to a couple dumb questions I got here. Uh, what's the most illegal or dangerous thing you've, you've ever done in your life that you're willing to put on Are you record? Send us back to the police station no, I'm kidding. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh you can leave names know. out of oh, it. I'm yeah yeah I'm trying to think of like just like stupid shit probably just like breaking into like abandoned places that you're not supposed to be in like honestly I haven't done anything too crazy I've never done like hard trucks or anything so right um yeah if I that's probably like that or like I think like when we were younger, like going into like somebody's pool that was nearby while they were away from home. Oh, Just classic. Stupid, classic stupid kid shit. Okay. Well, uh, you know, boldly assuming you're not a pacifist, <laughs> which I guess is a pretty good assumption. Um, if you could, <laughs> if you could punch anyone in the face as hard as you can, with no repercussions, who's getting that one punch and why? Oh my god! I'm trying. <laughs> Honestly, like. <laughs> who would I punch in the face? There's not like a ton of people that I, I think if I like really wanted to punch someone in the face, I probably would. Um, someone, but with no repercussions. Your, someone's got to be on your annoying list. Someone you really want to like anybody in the world, you could deck them as hard as you can. No repercussions. You know, what would be funny is because <laughs> uh, Joe McKay has always taught me like, 
he's always been like, you need to learn how to fight. You need to like be able to like defend yourself if anybody like fucks with you, whatever. So he's always like taught me like different like club bouncer shit, like shoving your hand underneath someone's nose and like grabbing the back of their head, like makes it so you can basically like walk somebody anywhere because it hurts their face so bad. They like forget how to use their arms. Um, But anytime I've tried to like test what I know on Joe where he's like, all right, go ahead. He always like I just get choked out. So if I could just sock Joe with no repercussions, that would be hilarious. <laughs> and just and just for the story of it. But like the thing is, it would come time to it. And I'd be like, I don't want to hit him, though. But then just for the story, I'd be like, all right, you could take a punch. This is fine. <laughs> Get out your frustrations from the training. Eh? <laughs> the training. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's part it's part of the training. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> so do you have any um, you have any music you listen to that could be considered a guilty pleasure? either to yourself or others. Um, it's a tough question these days. Like, mm. what do you consider shameful or, or cringy or guilty pleasure? But something like you listen to big, we wouldn't expect. Yeah, I'm a big proponent of like, nothing is a guilty pleasure. Like if you think it's sick right. and it, you enjoy it, like that's what it is. It's just a pleasure. But yeah, probably the most cringy thing <laughs> that uh, I listen to Brandon is a big ICP fan, and I now oh know. Oh my god! No, no way! Lot. No, no, I know a lot. <laughs> no. I, I do, and it, it happened one day where I was like sitting oh. there, and he was playing it, and I was like, "Oh, oh my god! I know all the words. I know all the words." <laughs> that is the last <laughs> no, band I wanted like... you to say. That is the last band I've. ICP has one. haunted me throughout this show. I I don't like Juggalos. Dude, they, they creep me out. We it's... will play the Gathering. <laughs> oh come on! I'm ready. I'm ready. I hate this so much. I don't, but it's one of those things where it's like, I don't put them on, but like realizing that I know them, I'm like, oh man, that's a pretty that's, serious stuff right there. That sucks. <laughs> that sucks so much. It, that sucks. <laughs> it, uh, it does and it doesn't because it's like, okay, one thing I will say, and I, I will say this, and I don't know what I'm doing right now defending ICP, but I will say <laughs> they are very... They are no. very fucking inclusive. They're very like Ugh. they used to like use slurs and shit in their like records and like came out and were like obviously it was like the nineties and like two thousands when like nobody was self aware, but they're like this shit's not cool. Like regardless of like what the color of your skin is, like who you love, like we're here for you. And I think that's cool in like uh in rap, which is so frequently like misogynistic and shitty. Like I think it's cool to be yeah. to like put yeah. out a positive message to like people that could be deranged incels otherwise and I'll yeah. leave it at that. you mean jugglers <clears throat> <laughs> not uh, the icp juggler? allegations <laughs> i i dodged them i'm not doing well on that you did not beat the icp allegations <laughs> jugglers okay are the uh, icp fans that wear the makeup yeah oh, God, yeah they this. do like the the cloud <laughs> It's but like, I, think, I think you can be a juggalo without wearing the paint. I'm not really sure what the rules are. Is it like lace code? Am I speaking out of turn? <laughs> I have no idea. It's I don't like, know. Is it like I really lace don't. Code? Is it like <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Colorful face not. paint means something. I don't oh know. no, no, dear God. Okay, all right. I gotta move past this because I there's way too much juggalo. You talk you asked the question. <laughs> circus. I, I corpse did. Paint. I didn't expect a circus corpse paint. <laughs> All right. I didn't expect that, but you've, um, you've been around the game long enough. Um, 
probably during the the MySpace era. Did you have a, a cringy MySpace screen name at the time? Oh God, I did have a MySpace. I did have a top eight. Brandon mm -hmm. was in my top eight. That's nice. how long we've been. Um, <laughs> wow. Was he number one? Yeah. Mm, probably not. Ooh. You know, we'll Ooh. have to keep him in check in our right. high school days. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. Oh, you know what? I think that like as a joke, like my best friend in high school and I did like Zoe Mosh and Maddie Mosh at the time, but like neither Sick. of us moshed. It was just like to be like, oh, this is our MySpace name. Nice. And then we like promptly changed them the next week. No X's yeah, in I didn't, there? I didn't ever have a cool one. <laughs> X There's, Maddie X. No, yeah, I think I think mine was like always Maddie or like spelled with numbers or something stupid. So sick. <laughs> what was yours? Oh God, no! You're not asking me that. Are you serious? No, no. Come on. I just I just unleashed my private shame. You you can, you can let your screen name out. <laughs> oh fuck, fine. So you know how everyone used to be like, oh, sick mosh, hard mosh, brutal mosh, and all that shit. Back mm -hmm. in like the MySpace era. Well, I, I thoroughly enjoy a lot of softer music, especially like emo and shit like that. So I was Robbie yeah. Softmosh. Robbie <laughs> Softmosh. Soft Robbie no. Softmosh. Yeah. And that forever. Yeah. Will I be hate that that's on record. When I think of you. Oh, that's so I hate that that's on record. Fuck. That's awesome. I yeah, don't that love this episode. <laughs> You're just hanging out. Robbie Softmosh in the stew. Oh, <laughs> that sucks. What was um your album of the year for 2022? Ooh. Uh Man, I will not stop talking about Terror, but Terror Pain into Power is like in my top Terror records ever and that was probably the record I listened to the most that came out last year. Um I love that record. SZA released SOS at like the very end of the year. That record is great. Um Vomit Fourth did like Seething Malevolence. That was fucking sick. Yeah. Foreign Hands and Simulacra both put out records last year that were great. Uh, Vane. I know this is like many. I don't have, I can never pick one. Vane <laughs> is number one, and the rest of these are tied for number two. Yeah, there was, there was a lot of great records last year. Mm -hmm. Especially, uh, I love Foreign Hands too. Oh my God, I love that, that EP they dropped. Oh, they kill it. So good. Kill it. They're all like the nicest people ever. And Tyler Norris is like such a sweetheart. He used to do merch for us and like we've been friends for a long time. Um, but it's we always like joke like when I was going to record, I was like, Tyler Norris, send me your vocal strength because he like has this like very kind, like softer voice. And then it's like he has this insane screaming voice <laughs> and it's just like so much power behind it. Yeah, but yeah, that record was great. So kind of a bigger question not really music related but if you could give the entire world a gift what would it be and it doesn't have to be like a material possession hmm. I mean I think oh, man that is a crazy question I think that thank you obviously if you could solve like houselessness and hunger hmm. if that was like that's like the utopia that everybody talks about is like would it be i don't know how you would give that as a gift but if you could give some sort of way where it's like people could have their needs met and be cared for and not have to worry about where their next meal was coming from or if they had a roof over their head or if they do have a roof over their head if they can pay the bills to keep it that way um 
And I think, I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of hard because it's not like one tangible thing. Maybe, maybe if there was like a tangible thing, just like more compassion and understanding for like other humans that live differently than you. I think that's something that like the intolerance for other people that people don't understand and discriminate against is just like so fucked in the world. And I think that's a reason that a lot of people can't like come together and try to solve a lot of the world's problems. I have to agree. It's a great answer. Deep cuts with Robbie Softmosh. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Way to ruin such a special moment. I'm fuck. sorry. It's that's just that own. like, I'm sorry. Oh no. <laughs> I'm not going to let you live this down way after no. this interview is done after the night <laughs> ends and you're nope. tucked into bed it's <laughs> you now i don't tell you listen to black metal i will rip on you forever okay dude black know. metal is sick oh, dude brutal. that's tight that's yeah tight. get over it rob it's not just Bisection? mayhem oh my god come on okay <laughs> I'm, gonna, well, I'm gonna send you a list you gotta check it out winter is the perfect time to to listen to some black metal it really is. Winter in Canada is, is so depressing. It's it's dark. Come on. Come on. You're in the snow. They write there, music for you. Let's go. There's there's actually no snow here anymore, unfortunately. Oh shit. Yeah, I'd rather there Where just in Canada be snow. Are you? Uh, I'm in southern Ontario, just kinda outside of Toronto. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, no snow. There's far. plenty up north, like even an hour or two yeah. away, but not so much here anymore. Win mm. one of my friends lives in Winnipeg and he told me like you have to like plug cars in overnight so like the block doesn't freeze or something. Oh yeah. And the, the pipes freeze up sometimes too. They'll buy like what water on supply. Yeah. It's crazy up there. Crazy up there. Well, wrapping up what has been a very, very funny, lovely conversation. <laughs> is there um what's your next big goal or accomplishment you want to reach with the band? Is there like a big venue you wanted to play, like you mentioned Hellfest or a festival that you've always dreamed of playing that you haven't done yet? Any sort of goal or milestone you want to accomplish with the future of this band? I would love to be able to get out and do a full U.S. headliner because we, we haven't done that so far as a band, and I think that that would be both really fun and just really a great opportunity for us. Um I would always love to like get back and play. This is hardcore sound and fury. Um, Outbreak Fest again. I would love to play Outbreak Fest again. Their lineup this year is bananas. So be great to get back there. Like I, ah, oh, man, it's tough. Cause it's like, I, I just want to keep pushing with the band and keep kind of like grinding and touring. And I think my goals are, are less specific of like fast or, um, it's just like I want to create the music that we're excited to play and I want to play it for as long as we can and like get out and tour and uh, and share it with everybody. That's like my main goal for the band right now. It's good goals. So what's uh, what's new coming up for the band this year? I mean, obviously the album's on route. Any idea? Yeah. Can you say? Is there any idea when that's coming? Or We don't have a release date yet, but we do okay. have quite a bit of new music um we recorded with taylor young we recorded with kurt Ballou, so two incredible producers that we like had a great time with um we do have new music coming 
So I guess all I can say is just like keep an eye out for it and other big things coming up. Um, we are going to be doing two weekend tours in February. We're doing one with Sanguisugabog and Internal Bleeding and Vomit Forth. Um, and then we're doing another with Gates to Hell, Damnation's Domain. Um, and April, we're going to be, all of April, we'll be with uh, Unearth and Misery Index in Europe. Very cool. Very cool. So finally, any last uh, shout outs, any plugs, any causes, like literally anything you'd uh, you'd want to speak on, Mike's yours, and then we'll play an outro track and say our sayonaras. Sick. Um, I think I would just say shout out to Delaware Hardcore, Pennsylvania Hardcore, and all of our friends coming out. I honestly thank you guys for having me on this. I had a blast with you guys and uh I don't I don't have a ton to plug right now that I haven't already plugged. So I'll just say thank you for having me on here. Thanks so much for talking. Yeah, of course. Yeah!